Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So sometimes you have to make decisions based on something you least expect. And then suddenly when you make that decision, kind of like coming out of the closet, you realize, hey, this was really truly my path. And that path sometimes might mean what you thought you'd be to become a mama isn't exactly how you got to become a mama. And whether you're a gay LGBTQ or a heterosexual parent, being a parent is one of the greatest gifts in life. And today, because it's the day before Thanksgiving, I felt like this would be a really great conversation to have with one of my favorite people that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, we worked together and then suddenly she and a girlfriend decided they're going to do a podcast about being adoptive mamas. And I said, what a great way to enter into the holiday season, give a little thanks and talk about the journey of being adoptive mamas. My good friend, Liz Grubb is here. Her podcast is the two adoptive mamas. And I can't wait to share her with you and talk about her journey of coming out to be an adoptive mama. So I'm going to shut up and say, Liz, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Rick. Okay. And you know, as a fellow podcaster, this is where Rick shuts up and Liz just takes over and she has to go run the show right now. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, I will do my very best. It's an honor. No, it is. And I, I, it's funny as we work together and I I saw your, I saw your podcast come to life and everything. I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And I love it because it is a very beautiful story and it's a niche podcast that I think will serve many, many, many people and love watching your and Sarah's journey as you've launched this. But, um, so let's kind of give people some of the backstory. It's like, ah, now let's just pick a subject and we'll go with it. That really, <laughs> that really wasn't it, was it? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I can share, I guess, a little bit about why. I mean, my family's journey to being a family is uh-huh. why we have the podcast. And um, it's, you know, it's, it is interesting. Even in your intro, I I would say that this is not how I thought my family or my life would look if you had asked me 10 years ago or however many years ago. So, um, my, uh, partner, my husband and I, uh, we met and we have been married. We're 10 and a half years now. Um, and when we were dating, uh, I remember we talked about adoption, um, and we had heard a statistic at that point, um, that said one third of couples will talk about adoption, but only 2% actually go through with it. And so we were like, Oh, we want to be one of the 2%, like, you know, let's just do that. And then life happens and, you know, we're finishing grad school, we're getting new jobs, we're moving across the country. We're doing things that you would normally do with life. And, um, quite honestly, it went to the back burner for a bit. Um, and we were really, you know, knee deep by, my degree and I work in higher education. So I was living on campus, serving students, working with them. We're in Nashville in the city and, and doing some good stuff. And, uh, 
I had a miscarriage and, um, I, we weren't trying and it really caught us off guard. Um, we had something, you know, that we, all of a sudden we were planning for that was unexpected and then it was gone. And that it was really tough for us to kind of process that in the span. It was a very quick, um, I was, I was early. And so as we were very quickly just faced with this reality of, Oh, like we had something and then we lost it. And so if I'm being totally honest with you at that point, we like, didn't know very much about growing our family, about any version of the, of the options. Um, and, and yeah, we didn't know like what it was that we how we wanted to grow our family. And so we just started doing a lot of research and we kind of like circled back to that statistic and we were like, Oh, Hey, remember how we talked about that? Like, maybe this is something that is in our, is in our journey, is in our pathway. Um, and I do think, you know, both of our, our skill set and our passions for, for helping others and, and, uh, hurt children definitely need extra love. Um, and, and there's a lot of need there. So, So, yeah, so we kind of started walking through this journey and we ended up as foster parents or resource parents first. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were in, like I said, Nashville and Tennessee at the time. Um, that was a really difficult, uh, year or so we had one placement and they, um, ended up being reunified with their biological mother. Um, and so at that point for me as an individual, I would say, I had lost three babies, one in the womb, um, and, and two went through our placement Uh, that, that is how, you know, it, that's how it felt. That's how I experienced it. So yeah, turned to my husband. I was like, all right, it's time for a forever baby. I don't think my heart can do this again. Um, so we turned to international adoption and our daughter, um, our first forever kiddo, um, came home in 2016 from Poland. And then, uh, we knew that we had room for more for love. And so, um, we went to China in 2019 and that's when my son came home. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we honestly didn't know what that was going to look like and we can unpack whatever portion of of that timeline you want to, but, um, there were a lot of moments where we were just doing everything backwards (laughs) compared to society. (laughs) Um, and there were a lot of, you know, head turns and there was a lot of, are, you know, are you sure you're going to do this? And is this really the right path for you right now? And it's so interesting to hear you say that because it parallels like is this the right path for you? Are you sure? And it's like the same stuff we hear coming out of the closet. Like, are you sure? And yet it's interesting because I have a lot of friends in the LGBTQ community who've been down this path, the same path that you and your husband have been down. And, you know, first of all, especially gay men, they can be pretty like, really, you want to have a kid that doesn't that seem a little heterosexual (laughs) and like, yes, I want to be a parent, you know, but yet it's such a, it comes from such a deep space in the heart. And when somebody's desire is truly, I want to be a parent, it breaks my heart. Cause I have a couple of friends right now, two different sets of friends who are trying to, to adopt and become foster. Well, it's really tough post COVID too. <laughs> yes, it is very Lots tough post COVID, mm-hmm. but a couple of them like are, they've gotten close a couple of times and then no. And then I, I've talked to one who happened to have been a client of mine for quite a while. And I'm like, are you, sh- are you sure you really are ready? I mean, he, he's going to be a wonderful father. No, there's no doubt about that. <clears throat> but I don't know if he's ready to cope with like 
you know, kind of like you said, not potentially not having the forever baby. He's, he gets very attached to lots of stuff. And to me, that would be the hardest part. And I've had a couple of other friends who literally got like within days of like, okay, the adoption's going through and then the reunification happened. Mm -hmm. And it really threw my one friend, like threw him under Mm -hmm. the bus. I was very concerned about him because you just, you put so much into it, even though you kind of know in your own head, like, okay, I know where this could go, but then to get that far down. So how did you start to like, okay, I've got to go beyond this. I've got to like, be able to deal with like, Hey, this, this may not be the forever kid. What was something you did in your own mind? Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take care of Liz here. Yeah, well, and I'll validate in our experience, we had lots of conversations with caseworkers and lawyers and so many other people who are sitting across the table. And I'm not kidding. Like we were, we were told like, you can't treat resource parents this way. Um, you know, and, and the system is broken and so there's a, there's a lot of need there. Um, but you still have to treat people with respect. And the response that we got Rick was, well, you're adults, you can handle it. And I was like, um, we're also human. Yeah. Just because I still have a heart, right? Like I'm still pouring my life and my, you know, my soul into, into helping these kids who also deserve love and respect. (laughs) Um, so so for that, for our experience as resource parents, and, and that is, and at least in our journey, that's where it was, a, we thought it was going to be one way. And then it turns out that it wasn't. And, you know, we found out the next day after they were placed in our home. And so there was just a really awkward, like several like month journey of, of, you know, navigating that. So I ha- I really had to, when they were in the home, really had to like face my own trauma and my mm-hmm. own coping skills and say, Hey, like, you know, what I'm experiencing as, as an adult and as a Liz <laughs> doesn't, yep, yep. I, I should not project that on them. Um, and they don't know <laughs> they were two right. and three, you know what I right, mean? Right. So they needed to know that I was going to take care of them and that I could be a healthy attachment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to be able to kind of like dissociate and like almost compartmentalize and say, like, I'm caring for these babies as if they were my own, but knowing that they're not. And I recently heard, um, it was actually one of our guests on the podcast. She, who's also a foster parent. She said, you know, she characterizes it as like a forever family and a right now family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially in, um, domestic infant adoption, there's like that six month period ish. Well, I guess every state is different, but for most most, there's like a period of time where the little baby is with you, but yep. the biological mom might make a different decision or the court might make a different decision. So there's that, that wiggle room there. So, right. so yeah, making sure that my mind and my heart were on the same page and being like right now, family deserves my all forever family really want it, but mm-hmm. might not happen right away. Um, but then after the kiddos were reunified with their biological mom, um, we left, <laughs> we, we, we just like skipped town and went to Charleston and like took a weekend to refocus and regroup and make sure that we were both individually, um, right. And that we were on the same page together. And, you know, we had to be able to face whatever the next step of our journey was together in the right moment. And, and that, that those were like two extremely practical things that we, right. that we just had to do it. I, f- I feel like that's what I've heard more than anything from other people who've been down this journey, especially in my community, because it's interesting 
there's a lot of people who who say they want children and then maybe they don't they can't for whatever medical reasons or then they find themselves either in this you know foster resource parent sort of path or then the journey to you know full-on adoption but if they're not on the same page with their partner and i've seen this a lot in my community where like oh yeah we think so and then and and i hate to even say this because somebody's gonna like send me a nasty email as soon as i say what i'm about to say but it's just the truth then suddenly having a child is almost like, oh, it's just one more thing checklist on our life. You know, we've got this now. And it's not a checklist on your life sort of situation. It's really such a different thing. And I know I've had friends who've gone through this and literally people have said, well, you just did this. They're like your token children. Like you had to have this. And I'm just like, wow, that says a whole lot about the person who just made that comment, number one. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. But also I've seen like in your case where, and, and probably your, your, is it your daughter that's from Poland or? Your, yes. Yeah. So she's probably going to pass like, Hey, you know, this, she's just part of this family, but then now you have your son who's from China and I've seen this be like, well, couldn't you just have adopted some kids here? <laughs> I just want to slap them because it's like until you've stood in this country and tried to do this, it's like a whole different freaking ball game. So what was the what was like the thing that for you, you and I, I kind of already know the answer, but I feel like it's a great thing to share. Why did you go the international adoption route? Uh, yeah, well, at first, I'll be honest that the um, pr- price, the the amount of fees um, yep. for international adoption scared us yep. a lot. Um, however, uh, international adoption is not that much more expensive than domestic infant um, in terms of all the fees and agency fees. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of conversation in the adoption community about why the fees are so much and how that system is broken too. And that's a whole separate ball game. But the point is that people need to be involved to help us. <laughs> and that's why the fees are there. And so we were freaked out about that. Um, however, I think that once we walked through the resource parent journey and, and I was hurt, my heart was hurt. Right. <laughs> um, and so I had to be able to kind of like pivot and make this different decision of like, you know what, like the, the dollar amount is not, it cannot be a barrier for us. If my child is overseas, then my child is overseas. overseas. And, and you referenced it, you know, my daughter, uh, she looks like me. We are both fair skinned and, and blonde hair and, right. and light eyes. And, and my son is growing up at a season where I'm going to very quickly have to have a conversation with him about, um, how our family is interracial and how some people don't, like Asian people right now. And, and that's not okay. Um, but I need him to be prepared and strong to face the world. And, um, that doesn't, that doesn't scare us, uh, because he was our son and, you know, even just in unpiecing, unpacking, excuse me, the nuances of our journey. Like it is so clear that these two kiddos were meant to be ours. Um, and seeing their bond that they have is, really sweet and they would have never known each other yeah. if this wasn't the case. Um, so yeah, so for us, international adoption was the way to go caveat post COVID world. There are not that many countries that are open for international adoption no. right now. Um, I know of a few, but, but we were able to, to bring our kids home before that season and, and we're yeah. grateful. So I, I, I find it 
frustrating at times to just watch the double rhetoric that goes on around adoptive parents. It's like, oh, that's so great. But why did you have to adopt one from China? You know, or, oh, that's great. But, you know, they'll, they'll never really be yours. I'm like, wow, people, do you realize like you may have had your own kid, but there's times I look at you and go, I can tell you wish you just really didn't have this child right now, which mm-hmm. all parents. Okay. Let's be, let's be truthful. <laughs> yeah. There's challenges for <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. true for all parents at times, but it it is such an interesting thing to watch this. And we had a couple of friends who um, let's see, they have two children, one from Thailand, one from China and one from like Ghana, I think. So they're very mixed race. Yes, family. Yeah. And both both husbands are white guys. There you go. That <laughs> is get this definition of interracial. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, even to the point of why did you why did you adopt an N-word baby? Oh my. And I'm just like, wow, what would you be? You know, and my mom, my mom's actually adopted. And um oh. it's yeah. it's interesting because we don't know really, we don't know anything really about anything she's she's mm-hmm. never wanted to find out um we know a little bit about descent or we thought we did and we did kind of discovered through my own little like hey let's go check my dna and go mom's not as spanish as we might have thought there's a little teeny tiny bit of spanish in my dna we always thought she was very spanish she does have huh. definitely spanish hispanic features um but it's been interesting to be on that journey with her and, and i've never pushed it like hey mom do you want to figure out no not really hmm. like, cool both her and her brother were adopted. And um, so I've been in this realm and watched them even as they grew older. And of course they were adopted back in the forties, late forties, early fifties, I think. And to just see the difference. Different time then. Different time all together. (laughs) And to see the beauty of what happens um, when people are able to do this. My two friends that are trying to adopt, they're, of course, I love my, I love my one friend. I love him dearly. He goes, it's got to be a girl. I'm like, well, honey, <laughs> what if the right one comes along? And yeah, it's what not, if I'm it's like, not? <laughs> yeah. And what if you could give birth? Well, you wouldn't be able to go, but it's got to be a girl, you know? <laughs> um, but then I have a couple of really good friends who are like, yeah, we're going for like the kid that's like anywhere from five to 12, which that's a whole different journey. Yes, you know? it is. Yes. Um, so what is something that you like I mean I know this is a loaded question because you could go I could just shut up and zip it and you could go on for probably a whole hour but what's something you've really learned about yourself having gone through this like okay here's wow I didn't see this in myself now I can really see this yes that is a loaded question um I'll highlight two um but I'll preface it with a quote by another it another adoptive parent that I think is relevant to how you how you've shared so far and, you know, moving forward, um, it goes something like a child who was born to another woman calls me mama, the, the magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege is not lost on me. Um, so I think if I'm actually walking through the day to day and really evaluating like what's going on, um, in my own head, but also just in our day, Um, And I'm thinking about those two things, like there's tragedy and loss in every single day of our lives because my kids are with me and not with the mom who gave them birth. Um, And and that's, that's a loss (laughs) and loss and and trauma and tragedy really impact people differently. Um, 
it's also a great privilege to be their mom and to help them grow and, and to help see what makes, you know, them happy and how, how they bring others joy. So, um, so I think I, knew that I was flexible, but now I really have to be flexible. I think I knew that Mm. I grew up in a privileged situation, but didn't see that on the day to day. Now that I have two kiddos who, who didn't have that privilege the first couple of years of their life. Um, I think that I thought I was organized and now I'm forced to be, uh, I You're mean, never like- <laughs> organized. Trust me, mine are 22 and 26. I'm like, Oh crap. Where'd this come from? I, oh. Yeah. I just, I think that there's, you know, there's so many things about my own like personality and my own person right. that I could say. Um, I think outside of myself when, you know, most often for international adoptions, at least during the last decade or so, um, there is some form of special need present. Um, and I didn't think I was cut out for special needs parenting. Mm. Um, and I think if I'm really being honest with myself, that was something that that was a fear of the unknown. When I first Mm. started this journey, like, Oh, I don't know if I could do that. And, and now I have two special needs kiddos with extremely different needs. And, and I don't know what, I mean, this is the way it was supposed to be. So if I had not made this decision, um, with my husband and, and, you know, if we hadn't walked this journey, like, I don't, Uh, this is how I was supposed to parent. (laughs) So I just had to, we had to be able to make that choice and and name it and claim it and just go for it. (laughs) So that's a really powerful observation. And I can relate to that a lot because when I came out, my youngest one, she was nine months old and now, and it is one of my biggest heartaches that she never, she has no recollection of mom and dad ever live, you know, to ever be in a family, even though we quote are, Um, but I also realize how much that journey has made me a better person and made her a better person too, because she sees things through a completely different lens. And, and we've had multiple conversations about this. Like, how does that feel? I want to, you know, not that I can fix anything, but I can at least talk about it. Right. And to the same point that you just brought up, this is, this was my destiny. This is how, and even my husband who came into her life, came into both of their lives, um, our youngest one was 18 months old. Our oldest one was not quite six. Um, he's even said, this is something that I didn't realize I was destined to be, even though he wanted, he would have loved to have had the child experience. And even a couple of years after he and I were like together and like, okay, I think we're going the distance. We had talked about like, it would be kind of nice to have a son. And we're quickly like, no, two's enough. <laughs> two is plenty. Like we're done. <laughs> But, I'm good uh, with two. I'm good yeah, with two as well. Yeah, yeah. Two is <laughs> two is good. And I love them. And uh, you know, hey, we'll see where we go as grandparents down the road. But um, it is an interesting space when you can see in yourself that realization that okay, this is not what I would have like scripted out, but here's where I am, mm-hmm. you know, and and to own that. And through some really tough times with one of our kids it's like okay well I couldn't have scripted this but I'm being I'm being given this and I've got I got somebody higher up who's like guiding he's going to help me through this he he she however we want to speak about that higher power and there's times I'm like I I don't know I don't know if I can do this but then right after that thoughts like yes you can (laughs) 
you can do this. Yeah. I was going to say that. I mean, that ownership piece is not selfish. It's just like calling it what it is and being able to, um, kind of almost empower yourself to be like, no, like this, this is like the, you know, these are why I have these gifts. These are why that I have these passions. This is why I'm meant to do this. And that in and of itself, just being able to say it out loud is crucial. (laughs) Um, I think for, for success and for thriving. And what is something, what is something you think most, most adoptive parents aren't really ready for? It's almost like, okay, I'm going to be an adoptive parent. They put that stake in the ground. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to come out and declare this, you know, basically come out of the closet and say, I'm, this is my path. What's something you think they're not really, and I know there's probably a hundred things you're not prepared for, but something you hear a lot when you talk to people. Um, touched on it already, but the trauma, um, and how that looks really different for every child and, yeah. I would say even in our own family, two kiddos who had similar starts at the very, very beginning, um, very different next couple of years, and they could not be more opposite in how they um, handle their anxieties and how they interpret the world could not be more opposite. Um, So I would say that. And then I would say Sarah and I, um, call them zingers where you are going to, uh, whatever, I don't know the, the, the most common one that I can think of because I am, you know, living in the medical world right now with both of them, they go and they'll say, especially to my daughter who looks like me. So can you answer the family history? And you're like, Uh, no, I mean, I can tell you what happened the last six months since they've been home. But, um, so I don't know that parents are always expecting that to happen. I mean, they will happen forever. Uh, and so how you interpret them and experience them, them will change season to season, but you can never really anticipate what somebody's going to say. And then you're like, cool. Uh, I know I have to answer that, but I feel like I should bite my tongue. Cause you shouldn't have said that or, right. you know, whatever. No. And, and I've had that conversation with my mom, you know, it's like, and mm-hmm. it did, it didn't hit me. It didn't really hit me until a few years ago when I had a stroke and then I'm like, okay, well, family history. I'm like, well, I can, I always refer to my dad's family history. And I always say, Hey, I don't know a whole lot about my mom. And then in the midst of that whole experience, I'm like, Oh my God, how many times has my mom had to answer this freaking question in her life? It hadn't even crossed my mind until then. And it was like, so I had a conversation with her and I said, is, is that tough? She goes, at times it can be. She goes, especially as I'm getting older, because I don't know. She goes, mm-hmm. well, there's nothing to base anything on, you know? Yeah. Uh, and except I'm like, your, well, prior, yeah. your prior yeah. lived experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. uh, except what she's lived. And she goes, right. I, I, I'm pretty much, you know, I, I can't remember how old she was when my grandparents adopted her i mean she was a baby so she was probably not even a year year and a half old so any history yes it's everything since then but that still doesn't tie back to if you had to do something genetically tied to dna and all that yeah you know i guess if she really had to like maybe dig it up at this stage but she's you know 72 years old so but it would be tough it would be really tough Yeah. yeah and um then i thought well my kids will live with this. Their kids will live with it too, because there's only so far we can go back on grandma's side. We can go back a lot on dad's side. And so then I've had these, you know, simple conversations with my daughters about it. And they're like, yeah, so what dad? I'm like, you never know that the, so what might be something that might need to save your life to understand what's going on. But, um, 
It's, it, yeah. It is well, I think, I think that's a really good testament, even just, you know, how your mom's interpreted her own journey that, you know, a lot of talk in the adoption community is protect the story, protect the story, but right. you know, your story impacts so many other people. And so being able to equip and empower your child to own their story mm -hmm. and what it is that they do know, um, and allow them to ask the questions and walk that path the way that they want to. So, you know, my daughter will tell me all sorts of things about, um, what happened before she came home in her own way. Right. And my son won't talk about it at all right now. And maybe he never will. And maybe he will, I don't know, right. but yeah. my experience as a parent is I'm just going to meet him where he's at exactly. and with the kid who's in front of me. And, and some people, some adoptees don't want to know, and some do, and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. For my mom, I think the first, and I didn't go there with her. I didn't because uh, I mean, I just, re, I wasn't going to go there with her, but when she, so when she lost her mom, she was sad. Um, not that there was bad blood or anything, but grandma was just grandma. <laughs> we loved her, but she was definitely her own unique person in the world. My grandfather is the one guy I've always said that if he, if, if there truly is heaven and he doesn't get it. I don't stand a chance in hell of getting it because he's just that guy. He's such a beautiful human being. And when she lost him, I couldn't help but think how empty she truly felt because those were her, that was her parents, but they're still the parents that she has no clue about. And I almost think she went there once in a conversation and I was really holding space. I'm like, I, only if she wants to go there, will I go there with her? And she said something along the lines of, well, I guess that's it for parents. And I thought that was a really interesting statement. Mm -hmm. And I just let it hang because I'm like, I don't want to push mom. Um, but I can't help but think about all the beautiful adoptive kids and everything. And then I'm back to the trauma. Mm -hmm. That trauma, sometimes we think, oh, you know, they were so young. How would they know anything? It sticks with you. It, oh, yeah. You know. Uh, what's the show on TV that's such a great hit that has the the three the one adopted? Oh, I can't think of it, but um, it's it's such a beautiful show where they have the two they have the tw the triplets, but one of them's the black adopted. Oh, child. this is us. This is us. This is yeah. us. <laughs> and I've just you know, there's been so much in that it's storyline that's such such beautiful and about Randall coming to terms with stuff as he's now gotten older and everything. I'm like, you don't ever get past this. There is no getting past. You know, it's he always, was, he was there. taken from the hospital. So yeah. that's about as early as you can get. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, I mean, kind of like that quote from before, like a child was born to another woman yes. and now in, in my family and inherent loss right there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moment of separation. So before we wrap it up here, I just, I have to say, first of all, I'm so glad you and I met because when we worked together at the speaker lab, Same. It, was, <laughs> it was great and we miss you, but, um, I also was so touched by your story and that's why I wanted you to do this with me because uh, there's Thank tons you. of people out there that, Hey, you need to hear these stories. Number one. <clears throat> and number two, because in the LGBTQ space, there's a lot of people who are trying to do this and just anywhere even, and like persevere. I mean, if you are truly in my mind, if you're truly called to be a parent, don't give up. I know it's tough. I mean, I was lucky because, Hey, i you know, biologically, I have two beautiful girls. Um, both of them were 
one was not expected when we've had our oldest one. It was because I don't look at it as like a mistake. It's like, Hey, okay, I guess here we go. And I was, I was like, cool. I, I was decorating the room like the next weekend. I'm like, okay, we're painting this room and here we go. And my wife's like, I think we need to like, I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, we're having a baby. And then when our youngest one came along, we were kind of trying and I wasn't surprised, but I feel blessed that I had that experience. And I truly f- just can't imagine even somebody who like me is like, yeah, I want to be a parent and then finding that you're going to have to take an alternate route. Yet. I think the alternate routes are just as beautiful because you, you have, you still get to have the experience. Yes. There's new stuff that comes along with that. I think just doing it is what's beautiful. Yeah. And forever. I mean, there are definitely things that (laughs) don't, don't get me wrong. Being a parent is hard (laughs) for any buddy. Um, but for all the harder moments that we have as adoptive parents, it makes the sweeter moments more sweet. Yes. And, um, that was really bad grammar, but we can just go That's with okay. it. It was we'll sweeter. Go with it. Exactly. <laughs> the, it is sweeter. <laughs> it's, it's sweeter and it's, there's just, it, it's worth it. it it's yeah. worth it. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends, he has two, two kids. They're probably, well, they're both in early school right now. So like uh, probably second and maybe third and first grade, something like that. And they're just adorable. I think they're like from Guatemala or Honduras or somewhere like that. And um, he worked really hard. I mean, he has a beautiful book out about his whole journey. And then his partner decided, eh, I don't really want to be a parent. And now they're since split up and all this sort of stuff. But through all the heartache, he says every day, he goes, it's worth it. He goes, Mm -hmm. every step of it, he goes, it's challenging and, you know, it's part of it, but he wouldn't change the pathway or the trajectory. And Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us will ever say parenting is easy, but I also feel like there's a lot of us that are just predestined. This is, this is in our makeup. This is how we're supposed to show up in the world. Even if it means with special needs kids or kids who have drug and addiction problems or LGBTQ, whatever it is, this is. You don't get to choose the destiny. And I think I've learned, that's one of the things I've learned in my own life at this point is I don't get to choose the destiny. I get to impact it, but I also get to impact how I respond to the destiny that's unfolding for me. Right. uh, No, absolutely. I'm so glad you've shared that. And again, I'm so glad we're sharing this right before Thanksgiving, because I think it's something to say, (laughs) let's be grateful for what we have and the journeys we're given and um, all that good stuff. So your podcast is Two Adoptive Mamas with our other friend, Sarah, who also still works for, with us at the TSL lab, but, um, love the, love what you guys do. Keep doing it, have fun with it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I know you're just impacting lives right and left. So, um, thank you. You sure you're not going to have another one. You're not going to go for number three, right? Well, we're not out of the woods on foster care for, but for right now, this season is number two. Yeah. That's awesome. I know we didn't touch on it a whole lot, but I will say, especially since we're thinking about gratitude and gratefulness, just knowing that, um, there is community out there and I would, you know, I would add that for, uh, your listeners and, you know, being an adoptive parent is hard. Being in the weight is really hard Mm. and know that, um, you're not alone. And so finding that community somewhere locally online, whatever it looks like finding that community to know and, and be grateful for whatever season you're currently in and whatever you're facing ahead. Um, you're not, you don't have to do it alone. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> well, no, but I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that's very common in, in our, in my community is this sense of 
I don't, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anyone to reach out to, regardless of what it, whether it's about coming out or any of this stuff or parenting or wanting to be a parent or any, there's such a sense of, I don't have where any place to connect. And I'm glad you brought that up because I realize for some people, you may feel like, oh my gosh, I'm out here all on my own. And it's going to feel like that sometimes, but you're you're not, (laughs) there's so many, and thank God for the internet, you know, knock on wood that this, it it stays up. Um, But never, and I hate to say it this way, but never feel like you're truly alone. You're literally a mouse click away from finding some resource or, you know, finding two adoptive moms and listening to the podcast. And then suddenly you're like, okay, wow, Sarah and Liz, I can really relate to them. You know, I feel there, you know, and suddenly, even if that's all you have, at least there's a connection. And I know like, like my podcast, I'm constantly doling out. Here's a resource, go here, see the, you know, connect here. It may take you a little bit of effort. I'm not going to say work. It may take Mm -hmm. a little effort to go find the right connection points, but there's plenty of help out there. Now, some of that help might get frustrating. I'm not going to say that the foster adopted system is perfect because I know it's not, but just reach out and say, here's what I need. And here's, you know, how I could use support. And sometimes it's just saying, this is what I need help with. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, that's part of the naming and claiming it, right? <laughs> like yeah. I need help and I need another person who yep. gets it. And that's, that's how we phrase it. You know, we're moms who get it and we also need it. And so we need to find other moms who are in the same boat. Um, and for us, I mean, um, for me, it's a mom, right. But for yeah. who, you know, however it is that you're a parent and how you came to be a parent, you're, you are not the only parent. But I also, I'm glad you just said that too, because sometimes <laughs> what I've seen with my podcast, they're like, oh, well, this is only for people who are, and, and this is a the perfect example. Oh, well, this is only about people coming out of the closet. Well, Liz came out of her closet about, Hey, here's my truth. This is what's happened for me. This is how I'm going through life. And sometimes even just hearing these different stories, it's like, okay, well, I guess my situation, yeah, it's kind of tough, but Hey, if Liz can move through this, how can I move through this? And sometimes Mm -hmm. we get so tunnel visioned in our thought of where can I find help? And then suddenly, and this has happened a lot with this podcast, People are like, I tuned into this because it sounded like there was an interesting story about adoptive moms, which I really didn't get what was that to do with, you know, coming out of the closet. And suddenly you told a beautiful story. And now I've listened to every one of your 500 podcasts. I'm like, hey, you know, it's not always about what you might think, you know, yeah, you really never has- know what you never know where the resource is going to yeah, be. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, thank you, my friend, Liz. I so appreciate you. It's two adoptive mamas and we'll have all the links and the resources and everything for you all to connect with Liz and Sarah on their podcast. And um, please, please go take a listen and really you know, dive in if you're needing that kind of help. So thanks for being here, Liz. So appreciate you. Thank you so much, Rick. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted. <laughs>